Has anybody noticed throughout this Ephesians series, we're talking about identity. Has anybody noticed the fingerprint on the guy's head? Have you seen that? It's a fingerprint instead of the guy's face. You've been staring at it for eight weeks, and now you know there's a secret there. A secret hidden thing about his identity. See, we each have a unique Fingerprint, don't we? We each have unique fingerprints. That's why when you go to the police, hopefully you don't do this very often, but when you go and get booked and they take your fingerprints, that's how they identify you. That's how they look you up in the system is by your unique identity, your unique fingerprints. And with God, we each have a, we'll say, a unique identity. He has imprinted his characteristics his qualities on us in our life, given us all these identities that we've been talking about for eight weeks and we're going to talk about as we finish this book of Ephesians. By the way, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're in chapter 3 today. But Paul is showing us who we are in Christ. Today we're going to talk about prayer. And uh, if you have your bulletin, insert... We're doing an acronym today, filling out P-R-A-Y-E-R. We're going to fill out the whole word of prayer. For you English nerds, this might be kind of fun. P-R-A-Y-E-R. We're going to talk about how God hears us. Do you know that God hears you? That He hears your prayer? Do you ever feel like He doesn't sometimes? Today I want you to know that God does hear you. Your identity today is that you are heard. That God does care about you. And we're in this uh, fascinating book of Ephesians. Did you know that about half the book of Ephesians is prayer? A lot of other books of the Bible, they're sort of story, narrative. They have some prayers in there. But half the book of Ephesians is Paul praying. He's writing out his prayers to this church. And he's praying for them and with them. Paul is on his knees in a Roman jail cell because he can't be right there in person. And a lot of us, you know, a lot of times what we do is we pray for people's physical needs, right? 
That kind of seems the most urgent, the most important, the most obvious. You know, they need surgery, they have this disease, their foot is hurting, they were in an accident. And we should pray for people's physical needs. But what we see a lot of Paul doing is he's praying for their spiritual needs. Maybe even higher on the list of importance than physical needs is spiritual needs because spiritual needs will last for all eternity. So we need to get in the mode of, yes, pray for people's physical needs. That's very important too. Uh, But don't neglect praying for people's spiritual needs. That they might know Jesus. That our city might know Jesus. That God might work through us to help people know Him. And Paul's praying for the... um, for the advance of the gospel, we should pray these things too. So let's take a look. Um, Paul, before we read this, I just want to say that Paul doesn't pray just to put on a show. Some of the Pharisees, they pray just to put on a show. Look at me, look how holy I am. They pray in King James language. Thou art God, Holy Father in heaven. We, we beseech ye. You know, we pray in this. Pharisees prayed and they... Uh, not King James language, but for people to look at them and to watch and say, oh, wow, they're just incredible. They must be so godly. And Paul isn't praying for the accolades. He's, he knows that praying isn't just shouting up into the sky. He knows that God's going to hear his prayer. And he knows that uh, prayer is incredibly powerful. Do you know that prayer is incredibly powerful? Prayer changes lives. Prayer changes Countries and cities and the world. Prayer changes eternities. Prayer changes families. Prayer changes endless situations and eternities. That's why Paul prays. That's why you and I should pray. And we're going to take a look in Ephesians chapter 3 at how Paul prays through this acronym of P-R-A-Y-E-R. I can spell good, right, Rachel? I'm a good speller. All right. Rachel's an English nerd, so she always corrects me. I say, where's this apostrophe go, Rachel? Well, it depends if it's possessive of a group of people or if it's one person. Thank you. She helps me with my bulletin notes sometimes. Got it. All right. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 14. This is Paul's, one of his prayers in Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, pause there. We're going to just break this apart little bit by little bit. Uh, Prayer is personal. You can fill this in for the P. Prayer is personal. Paul says he bows his knees. Anybody ever bow your knees in prayer? Yeah. We can pray a lot of ways. We don't have to bow our knees. Sometimes our knees hurt and they don't bow very well anymore. We can pray standing up, can't we? We can pray sitting down. You can pray laying down. I would not recommend that. I have tried that before, and I do fall asleep pretty quick. Uh, And you can pray driving in the car, although I would recommend keeping your eyes open while you pray while you're driving in the car. But prayer can happen anywhere. Paul says uh, he bows his knees, though. Bowing our knees is an act of surrender. It's, It's positioning our body and an act of surrender, right? What do they, you know, terrorists say? They say, get down on your knees! Or police, when they're doing searches, get on your knees, get on your knees, hands in the air, right? Get on your knees. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering to you, the authority. 
through this bodily posture, I am surrendering. We can bow our knees. We can also bow our hearts. That's that heart position of surrender in our life. It's showing um, our creator humility. That you're in charge. You're the savior. I'm not. You're my Lord. And I bow my heart. I bow my knees. I surrender before you. You're the Lord of the universe and I'm your humble servant. So how many people uh, like to pray silently? You don't like to pray out loud. Please don't call on me to pray out loud. Please, I do not want to pray out loud. How many people enjoy praying in groups of other people? You feel that power in your prayer group and you pray and you take turns. God hears both. God hears your silent prayers because he can hear your thoughts and he hears the prayers that you say out loud. How many of you um, prefer to... Pray by yourself. Pray with others. I think corporate prayer is very important. Um, sometimes folks like to uh, journal. Anybody ever journaled? You ever write down in a journal? Some people journal their prayers or they journal what they're asking and they can look back later and see how God answered those prayers. Sometimes people like to sing uh, songs of praise to God. And that's sort of their, their heart prayer. There's lots of different ways that we can pray and have that special communication with God. But do you ever feel like sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer? Ooh, that's the hard one, isn't it? We pray and we pray and we pray. We ask and we ask. We seek God. And God, are you even listening? Do you even care? God hears you. God does care. But it's kind of like a a good parent, right? When a kid asks a parent, and they will ask a parent many, 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 many questions all day long, right, Rachel? (laughs) mommy 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 when a kid asks a parent a parent gives answers like yes no or later (laughs) no Gideon right now we cannot go on a hot air balloon ride maybe later okay no you can't do that we're going somewhere else maybe later we could do this thing or yes you know you can have one cookie Yes, no, and later. That's the three answers God gives. Oh, that would be no. <laughs> and sometimes Gideon's answer is, never, you can never do that. No, you can't hit your brother or play in the street or whatever. Yes, no, and later. And so God answers our prayer. He doesn't always answer how we like him to answer, but he does answer. Sometimes he answers in a way that we don't want to hear. Just like when you tell a kid, or I tell one of my kids, no. Well, they Keep asking, and they keep asking for a different answer. I'm like, no matter how many times you ask me, the answer is still going to be the same, kid. The answer is still no. We're not going to do that today. I know you want to do that, I know, but that's not in a plan for today. So we have to accept God's answer, and that that is a big challenge. But God loves you. God cares for you. God does act on our behalf. And when we pray, even when we don't see God acting in the way that we want Him to in our finite human brains, prayer changes our hearts. And so even if we don't move God to change the situation, it still changes us. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You're not, your enemies might still be your enemies, but your heart is going to change toward them. So that's P. It's personal. Let's keep reading. Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, 3. Look at verse 15. 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Pause there. Oops, maybe I read too much. Hmm. Yeah, so he bows his knees oh, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Uh, next uh, is prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. What we see here, Paul is writing. He says there's a family and there's a father. There's a family, there's a father. The family is the church. Do you pray for your church's spiritual needs? Do you pray for your um, sp- church family's physical, spiritual, mental needs? It's easy to kind of gloss over the prayer list and you know, we see that every week and some of the same people are having some of the same problems and we can kind of skip. But we need to pray for our church family. <coughs> Not just the needs on the prayer list, but spiritual needs in our community too. I ought to put more things on the prayer list. Um, you know, we pray for the Texas shooting and we pray for uh, missionaries, uh, Christians around the world in persecution. We need to not discount the physical needs, but pray more for the needs that are going to make, uh, the needs that do make an eternal difference in the lives of our city. I encourage, I challenge you, uh, courage and challenge to pray for the family of God, that God would strengthen us, that God would heal us, that God would help us to be His people in this city, showing love, loving our city like we've been talking about. Look, it's over there on that rack. You can take out a little piece of paper and have a way to love our city, that God would use us for His good and His glory. And Paul, he talks about the family, the church family, and then he talks about a father. Now, we're going to talk about more about fathers next week for some reason. I can't remember quite why. As a day, we're going to talk about fathers. I, I can't remember, but we're going to talk about fathers next week. Hope you come back and bring a guy with you. Bring your father, bring your husband, bring your son. Bring some people. Mother's Day is one of the biggest Sundays of the year, but Father's Day, they're like, I want to go fishing, you know. <laughs> so bring the fathers in. We need the fathers. We need to have a man-to-man talk. Good talk about what Paul has to say about fathers. Um, <laughs> But think of prayer as simply talking to your dad. Hopefully you have a good dad, had a good dad. A lot of people didn't, don't. But God is the perfect heavenly father. Uh, I like to picture us as his children. God is our father. What do my kids do? Little kids, they, they crawl up on my lap and they say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. You know? And they want to snuggle with me. They want to talk with me. They want to be close and intimate and personal. They want to be relational and affectionate. And it's so easy. You know, so it's easy to interact with them. I'm their daddy. I love them. They're my kiddos. They love to be with me. I want to fill them with hope. I want to give them joy and love and affection. And they just want to get to know their daddy. They just want to be with daddy. And that's the way prayer is meant to be. It's kids being with our heavenly daddy. Wanting to be with our heavenly daddy. Jesus said this, didn't he? Pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, right? He told us to, to start, to begin our prayer with this posture of you are our daddy in heaven. I know this picture can be hard for a lot of people who struggle or had, did struggle with their relationship with their dad. A lot of people had bad dads. A lot of people had dads that were there but absent in a lot of ways. A lot of people had dads who didn't really care about them at all, or left. 
there's a lot of fatherless wounds. We live in a um, fatherless epidemic kind of world. But what I want to say is don't judge your, your earthly father. Don't judge your heavenly father by the way that you feel about your earthly father. A lot of people, they can have this tension with God because they say, well, my dad was like this, and if God's a heavenly father, then I, because I struggle with my dad, I struggle with this relationship. What we need to do is understand who God is, that he, he loves us, he cares for us, has this unconditional covenant relationship with his kids, and judge our heavenly father by our earthly father, not judge our heavenly, wait, judge our earthly father by our, the way our heavenly father is, not judge God by the way that our dad, the things that he did or didn't do for us. That can be hard. We'll talk more about fathers next week. But God, uh, prayer is relational. Second, third one, for the A, prayer is asking. Look at Paul in uh, what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul is asking that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I'm going to pause there. Prayer is asking. Paul's asking. Paul's making a request here. That's normal, isn't it? A lot of prayer is asking. Now, what we don't want to do is turn God into a Santa Claus. Here's my list. I want you to fulfill it. You know, I've been a good little girl and boy, so you, here's my list. Santa God, and I, I'm going to sit on your lap and tell you what I want, and you're going to um, give it to me. That's not the relationship we have with God. He's not Santa Claus. But we can come to Him and ask Him for our needs, for His help, because He has power to help us. And that's okay. It's okay for us to ask God. Sometimes we say, oh, I feel selfish. I feel like I'm asking God for too much. But ask Him. He might say yes, no, or wait, but you can ask Him for a, a need. God has power. Jesus instructed us to ask God for our daily bread, didn't He? Give us this day, our daily bread, right? But Jesus was focused on needs, not wants. Not like, God, would you please put a Lamborghini in my driveway? That's a want. <laughs> That's not a need. Your 1992 Chevy Lumina will drive just the same, okay? Maybe not as good, but <laughs> it'll get you from A to B. Wants versus needs is a good way to... And we can, uh, I mean, we can ask God for wants as long as it's what you think His heart would be. So God changes our hearts to be more like Him. And as He does, we can ask for wants and needs, but it's like scriptural. God, I want you to um, change my neighbor's heart. Help him to know you. I want my family to be saved. Is, are your wants lining up with His wants? would be a good way to put it. Are you wanting in prayer the same thing that God is wanting? Instead of, God, I want you to help me get away with this sin so my wife doesn't find out. Probably not a prayer that God would say yes to. <laughs> okay, If it's lining up with His heart and His ways, that's a, that's a want, that's a need, it's okay. And Paul's praying for uh, the people there that they would have the power of God's Spirit working in their life. We want to pray for God's power and His Spirit. Do you ask God for uh, Him to help you fulfill your daily needs? Help Him align your heart with His? We want to grow in asking God to have His power and His presence in our life, to dwell inside of us, to 
renovate our temple to be less like our old sinful nature and be more like the new creation that He's called us to be. Every area is our every area of our life should be growing to be more like God. We can pray to be more like our Heavenly Father. See, it's not just God's this magical hour on Sunday mornings, but He's God over your marriage and your relationships and your finances and your job and your boss and your neighbors and the way you treat your kids and your cats and your hamsters and your dogs. And God is uh, over your entertainment and everything. So don't, try, don't, don't leave God out. Ask for His power and His presence to help you Surrender, bow down every, like we talked about, Paul bowing down in submission, every part of your life to God. Will you pray for your heart to be surrendered? That's a, that's a prayer that could do a powerful work in our life. Sometimes it's scary to have every part of our lives surrendered, but we want to be more and more like God. Let's do the next one. Um, verse 17, we're going to read this again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Prayer is yearning for the why. Prayer is yearning. Can you hear the, the emotion, the, the ache, the, the hunger in Paul's voice? He's like, I want to know you, God. Is that your prayer? God, I want to know you more. I, I, want to, uh, I want the church, my family, to know you, to be more like you, to be growing more like you. It goes beyond head knowledge, doesn't it? Head knowledge only gets us so far. Um, God doesn't want us to just memorize facts about who He is. God wants us to enjoy, know, and experience Him. Not just, hey, I know these facts. This is my ten facts about God. It's good to know things about God, but so that they change their, your heart. Not so we just know a list of facts. That doesn't get us anywhere. Case in point, next week is my and Rachel's 15th wedding anniversary. You don't have to clap. Uh, she's not clapping for some reason, but no. Uh, <laughs> can you believe she's put up with me for this long? But here's the thing with Rachel. Oh, here we go. Can I share, right? Just kidding. <laughs> She's always like, you should ask me before you share stories about me. Can you do that? <laughs> no, but Rachel doesn't want me to just memorize facts about her. I know this fact that Rachel likes daisy flowers. That's her favorite. And she likes dark chocolate. And I know that you know she enjoys uh, her favorite TV shows are chick flicks, right? And so... When we were dating, she tortured me. I mean, uh, asked me to watch these movies with her, romance and rom-com and all that. She doesn't want me to just know, to list off facts about you, do you, Rachel? You want me to actually love you, right? Because you can list facts about God, but do you actually love Him? Rachel wants me to care for her, just like any spouse does, to know her, to have compassion, to help with her needs, uh, Four little names are most of her needs, I think. Um, to, to have her soul um, be cared for. To be known and to know me. And to, deep down, 
um, experience the joy of covenant love. I'm not perfect husband. Amen. I know, Rachel. Yes, I know. Uh, I'm not perfect, but I want to be growing in that. And we want to be growing in that relationship with God where we don't just know facts about Him. Uh, it's not just a quiz. It's not just a test. We're in a relationship with Him. He is in a covenant with us. He wants to know you deeply and to be known by you. Don't just pray and ask and you know hang up. Don't just uh, give Him your list and say, Here God, do this for me. He's not your servant. He's not your waiter. He's not your butler. He's not some cosmic Coke machine where we put the coin in and say, boop, 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 God, I want this one. Give it to me, thanks. He is almighty. Creator, Father. And it's our honor and privilege to get to know Him. And one of the ways we can is through prayer. So do do you have that emotional desire to get to know your Heavenly Father? Do you yearn for Him to... um, do you yearn to know Him better every day? Or is following God just like a checklist for you? I prayed for five minutes. Check. Okay. I read a chapter. Check. Okay. Next. Moving on with my life. See you later, God. Paul says pray continuously. All day, every day, we should, our hearts need to be in this posture of prayer, communicating with Him. Not that we stop working every five seconds and bow down you know, on our knees. And say, hang on, boss, this is, this is my deal. I pray continuously. It's my religion, right? Your boss might not appreciate that. But you can have this daily, God, help me to know what to say to my coworker. He's really making me mad. <laughs> help me to know what to say with my spice, my spouse. To spice it up. I don't know, maybe not. Help me to know what to say to my spouse. To, uh, to love them, even though they're really driving me nuts. So we can experience the length and breadth and height and depth of the love of God that He has for us. Knowing and being known by God and Jesus is one of the most powerful things that we as humans get to experience. God doesn't have to have a relationship with us. He chooses to. Are you taking advantage of that desire by God to know you? Or do you just not care to spend any time with Him at all? He's up here going, I'm here. I love you. Be with me. It's too often we just get busy, 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 busy and say, maybe later, God. Maybe later. Maybe later. Maybe next week. Maybe next month. Until, until we say, I haven't heard from God in a long time. Or I don't feel close to God. Yeah, Nancy? I had a hard time this year with the ascension Jesus, because I just felt like I don't want you to leave. You know, mm. please be with me. I need you. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, he is. You know, he is with me. Yeah. It just seems really strange. It was this yearning that I had. Good. So. I'm glad you recognize that yearning. A lot of people just, I think, maybe it's it's this American consumer Christianity where we punch our ticket on Sunday mornings and we kind of feel like we did our time or whatever. And, and too many, too often, we just go throughout our day not yearning, not having that longing to be with God, to spend time with Him. You know, if I said at the altar, do you, Dan, do you, Rachel? I do, okay? 
Love you, Rachel. If anything changes, I'll let you know. I'll see you in 50 years, right? If I didn't spend time with her, or if, if I didn't come home at night, if she didn't know where I was, that would be concerning in a marriage. If I came home and just ignored her the whole time, that would be concerning in a marriage. It's, just, it's not just that we're in this covenant with God. It's that we get to spend time with Him. That we get to be with Him in this, uh, this communication, this relationship that is unlike anything that um, we can experience with other people. It's transcendent. Spiritual. Everlasting. Amazing. We're going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 20. We're almost to spell out the whole prayer. P-R-A-Y-E-R, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Prayer is expecting. The E, prayer is expecting. It's anticipating. God's going to hear from you. Did you know that? God is going to hear from you, and he's going to respond with his answer, and there's going to be power in it. Do you realize that whatever you ask for, God can do far more? Whatever you um, can think of, God can do far more. Not just more, but far more. Like a ton more. Like this is the God of the universe and we kind of barely expect Him to show up sometimes. But He can do far more. He's not interested. I, I don't think, you know, like I said, He's not just Santa Claus. He doesn't just want to do things for us. He wants to do things in us. In our hearts. In our souls. In our lives changing us, our desires, and our habits. And when we look back at our life, I hope that you can say that you saw God here and here and here and here and that maybe even I asked God to do something over here, but I'm glad He didn't because the way that it worked out was far better. Or I asked God to do something here, but the way that He worked it out, I didn't even think or imagine that He could have done the, the powerful thing that happened through that situation. And that's what God does. I love this Greek word for power. It's throughout Ephesians. It's uh, in the New Testament a few more times. Dunamis. Power. Dunamis. Uh, it's where we get our word dynamic and dynamite from. Right? The mighty resurrection power of Christ is available to us in our daily lives to blow up, metaphorically, uh, the strongholds of evil in our lives. To, to blow up our lives in a good way and help us to get rid of that sin and follow Him. He gives us power. He gives us strength to love Him, to build the church. Are you tapped into the dynamite power of God? You know, we have this communication with God and some people don't even pick up the phone to call Him, you know? We could all probably feel pretty guilty about not praying or reading or communicating with God as much as we feel like we should. Get rid of that guilt. Shake it off. Just spend time with God. It's not a chore for me to spend time with Rachel because I love being with her. Because she's awesome. Aren't you, Rachel? Don't answer that. She's humble too. It's not a chore for me to come home and spend time with my kids because I love being with them. Well, most of the time, some of them. No, I love being with them. They're great. They have their moments like everybody. It's not a chore for us. Don't make it a chore. Prayer and Bible reading, don't make that a chore. It's like, in, in class, I won't say who it was, but I asked a, a student to pray to close our Sunday school. 
And he said, oh, I have to do a lot of prayer at Summit this week. And I said, you don't have to. You get to. You get to. And I said, would you please pray for us? It's like Nancy, I asked her this morning, kind of out of the the blue. I said, Nancy, would you give us the honor of praying for us? And I don't know if you were thinking, oh, pastor asked me, so I have to. But we don't have to. We get to. When When we... rearrange that thought in our mind, I think that changes a lot. Oh, I have to go on a date night tonight to fulfill my marital obligations, my contract. No! I'm excited. I get to go out with Rachel without the kids! For one time this year. It'll be awesome! We get to have this relationship with God. Just kind of keep that in your mind and pray that He works His dynamite power in your life in amazing ways. Last one here. We're going to close out Ephesians chapter 3 with verse 21. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout generations, all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Prayer is revealing. You can write this down. The R, the last R. Prayer is revealing. Paul reveals to us that um, we don't just have this personal, sometimes people say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, with God. You know, I have this personal, and they do, but we can't forget that our relationship with God and Jesus is a shared relationship. Paul's writing to the church; he's saying you all share in this, in the family of God. I took my kids out for uh, daddy dates and guy time this week, uh, individually, just me and them. Went bike riding on the levee. I got a taco from agave and rye with mac and cheese and a hot dog in it. Don't ask questions. It's just what they do. They had some weird tacos. Hallie's not here to enjoy the hot dog taco this morning. But went out to get ice cream and different things. But they don't... I go out with them individually. And you have your individual time with God. But I don't just have an individual relationship with my kids. We're, as a family, doing this together. We have a shared relationship with Daddy. And all of us have a shared relationship as a church with our God. It's not just a personal relationship. Corporately, together, we have this amazing, dynamic, life and eternity-changing relationship with God together. Paul says, you're this church. You're doing this together for the glory of God. Together! Why? Why are we doing this together? To reveal, Paul says, the glory of God to the world. Not how awesome and how powerful and how cool I am or you are. That's not what we want to reveal to the world. We want to reveal how magnificent and truly awesome and splendid and amazing, life-changing, eternity-changing God is. We want people to see His glory, not ours. We want to be like a mirror, you know, reflecting the light of God and Jesus to the world so they see how awesome they are, not us. Life is not about our glory. It's about Jesus' and God's glory. So we're going to sing our last song. And I'll close this with a question. Will you pray this week? Will you ask God to empower you to reveal His glory to the people in your life. Not your glory, His glory. And will you ask God to help you to glorify Jesus by living for Him? How do we give glory 
to God and Jesus by living for them, by sharing the good news of Jesus with the people around us. Because He is the Messiah. Why? Because He is the Messiah who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus reveals God's glory to us in a way that no other person ever could in all of history. He reveals God's glory to us. How much... I mean, just imagine walking with Jesus as one of His disciples. Seeing how He cared and had compassion and love and power, that dynamite power of God working in the lives of people. Jesus changes our lives today and forever. I hope you know Him. Let's stand and praise His name together. Father, we thank you and we praise you that you have made us your child 
heirs to your promise of a future where there will be no more sickness or sorrow or pain or tears or viruses or disease or death. Thank you for adopting us into your family, for being the loving, heavenly daddy, even for many folks, many of us who didn't have a loving father, or at least an imperfect one, we all did, but you can show us how you love us and care for us and lavish your grace and mercy and forgiveness so that you could do a changing work in our life and so that you could work through us to affect other people so that they can know you and be saved by you too. I pray this week that you would help us to remember, help us to set um, alarms on our phone or uh, reminders to spend time with you. Because we do want to spend time with you. We love you. Help us not to be too busy for the most important things in life. Up on the list is being with the one who created us and saved us. Through our son Jesus. In his name everybody said, Amen. Amen.